0: Welcome to the weekly message from Rhema Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au forward slash media. Well, it's my blessing and privilege to share the word with you this morning. And I want to start with something a little bit different. Because see, I have this... um I have this belief and conviction that the house of God should be one of the most fun places on the face of the earth. Anyone with me? Yes. It's not meant to be, you know, boring and crusty and dry like we're chewing on some grisly dry piece of bread or meat. This is supposed to be full of joyful people enjoying the word and the freshness of everything that that word imparts to our life. So I wanted to start this morning with a little skit. Does anyone know what a skit is? Yeah, few people here, so it's just a little dramatic um, presentation and we used to do these a lot in my youth days, but way back in the 1980s where some of you people weren't even born yet, <laughs> but um, we used to do this as a way to present the gospel out in shopping centres or at schools or, or you know, all sorts of places where we wanted to just share the gospel, so here we go. Did you see that, Louise? Did you see that? I think it moved. I think it did. You think it did? It definitely moved. My heart's thumping. I think it moved. I'll just. um, No, it moved. I really think it moved. I really think it moved. I'm not 100% sure, but I I think it moved. Just. Is it making you nervous? (laughs) I'm sure it moved. I've got to have a look. What is it? What is it? What moves? Look, it's the word of God and it's alive. It moves. It's living. It's active. It'll change and transform your life. It'll set you free. It sets your feet upon a rock. It's a lamp to your your feet and a light to your path. It's alive. This is something we can get excited about. Hallelujah. So there you go. Just something simple to get us in the zone ready to receive the word. Amen. Woo. (laughs) So let's pray. Um, I've also been asked to pray this morning for Australia. And as we know, we are experiencing some challenging times, but we are not discouraged and we are not disheartened. Why? Because we have the word. (laughs) So we're going to pray over Australia and specifically this coming week, uh, the Euthanasia Bill is being presented to the Queensland Parliament and I think as people of God we need to rise up and we need to take our place and we need to say what God says about our country and our state. So let's pray over this just as we enter into receiving the word. Heavenly Father we thank you that your word is eternal and it is living and it's active and it has the power and to, to change Nations to change hearts, lives, governments, nations. Father, you said Jesus, Emmanuel, the Prince of Peace, that the government would be upon his shoulders. So today, together in faith, we declare that Queensland is your state, Australia is your state, and we rebuke and curse a spirit of death over this state, over this nation right now in the name of Jesus, and we thank you that you came to give life and life abundantly. So we declare the life of Jesus into our parliament, into their minds, into their understanding, and into the decisions that they are making at this time. And Father, we just thank you that yours is the name that is above every name. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Praise God. We have a wonderful future in him. So anybody here ever thought about packaging? Most of what we you know, buy and come into contact with involves packaging. For instance, you go to the grocery store and Jeff does our grocery shopping mostly, I do occasionally, but I really dislike grocery shopping, really dislike it. Anybody else here that doesn't like grocery shopping? Yeah, just don't like it at all. And, um, but Jeff, you know, he likes to browse and see what products are new, and I'm like, power you, you just go and do it, just bring it home, <laughs> put it in the cupboard. <laughs> but when I do go to the grocery store, the thing that I've noticed is you just go for one thing, Like, let's say I need a can of tomatoes. You go for one thing and you go to the aisle where all this stuff is. And there's a whole range of these things. A whole range. There's diced tomatoes. There's whole tomatoes. There's peeled tomatoes. There's unpeeled tomatoes. There's Australian-grown tomatoes. There's salted tomatoes. There's imported tomatoes. There's seasoned tomatoes. It's like, how do I decide I just want one tin of tomatoes? So how do I decide? How do we choose? We choose by relying on the packaging, telling us the truth about the contents. Is that not right? We'll pick it up, we'll look at it, we'll study it. Oh, oh, that's got too much salt or, you know, whatever it is. But we decide on the packaging, telling us the truth about the contents. And Jeff and I have actually got a, a wonderful friend who, for a profession, designs food packaging. And he's told us how there's a complete science to it about fonts and colours and the sizing of everything. There's a complete science around you know, doing what's appealing to attract people's attention so that amongst all the different products, someone's going to go, well, I pick yours. I pick that one over that one. You know, I'll pick Heinz over Edgel's, for instance. There's a whole science to it. So why am I wasting your time in telling you this? <laughs> I'm telling you this because 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says that God has set his treasure in jars of clay. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. What treasure? Himself, of course. Himself, the treasure of himself. And we want to be the reason. We want to be the reason that people look at our lives and say, what I see in you is authentic. What I see in you is genuine and it's different and I'm drawn to the truth of what is in your life. So today I want to encourage us that we are the packaging when it comes to the gospel. And, you know, I'm not referring to something as superficial as our outward physical appearance. You know, we've all heard, don't judge a book by its cover. And in 2 Corinthians 5.16, Paul said from now on, We regard no one according to the flesh. So I'm not talking about that, but I am talking about our countenance, our countenance, our conduct, and our character. Because if, for example, if we went to a shop and we wanted to buy a bunch of flowers and there was two lots and there's one sort of limp, you know, half dying on its last legs, bunch of flowers, and then right beside it is a vibrant, beautiful, fresh, looks like they've just been picked from the garden. Which one are we going to choose? Which one are we going to choose? The vibrant, fresh one, not the, you know, like a limp and half dying. who wants that should be in the bin. We don't want that. So smile at the person beside you and tell them, I am God's packaging. I'm God's packaging. Now, I was going to get you to say to the person beside you that I like God's packaging. And I thought that could go really pear-shaped. That could be really awkward. Especially if we've got young people that are crushing on each other. They'd be like, ooh, yeah, I like your packaging. <laughs> Could be an opportunity. Come on, kids. <laughs> Make the most of the moment. <laughs> so let's talk about spirituality, the contents of the packaging for a moment. Let's talk about that. Have you, in, have you um, noticed that humanity is really intrigued with this idea of Spirituality. And we understand that we're a three-part being, spirit, soul, and body, created in the likeness of God and by God, but not everyone knows this. Let's not take it for granted and just assume everyone knows this. Many people don't know it, and many people wouldn't even believe it if you told them. Now, the reason for this intrigue, the Bible tells us, is that God has set eternity in our hearts. That's why we're intrigued with it, That's why we're fascinated with it because even outside of Christ, we've been created in his image and his likeness. There's something in us that yearns for something beyond ourselves. And so we end up with genres like sci-fi that, you know, the truth is out there somewhere floating around. And there's fascination, you know, with paranormal activity and the demonic realm and ghosts and magical powers. All of this, essentially, that belongs to this spirit realm. We recently had someone come into our home to do a delivery uh, for us and, you know, we just got talking about faith and the things of God and it came up really naturally and easily. He actually just asked me, he goes, are you religious? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> what would make you think that? Like Jeff and I, we don't have a house that's got be scriptures all over the walls. We, we actually, we don't. Um, we've got n- nice pictures. But again, there was just something that was stirred within him to want to start talking about those kind of things. And he said to me, he said, um, You know, I believe everything in the world is energy. It's all energy. Everything's energy. And I thought, Yeah, interesting concept. It's all energy. That's nice. You know, and look, I've come across people that even have rocks and things placed, different kinds of rocks placed, placed around in their home in different areas because those rocks, they believe, exude different types of energy. You know, like I I don't get into it at all. I came across even a store in the local shopping center just recently that sells all these different kind of rocks. So if you want to feel some happiness, you put a particular kind of rock in a particular part of your house and that's just going to, you know, exude some happiness to me. Oh, I need, you know, I need a bit of peace. Oh, I'll put this over here. That's going to just give me some peace. I'm just going to suck it out of that rock there. You know, like okay. (laughs) But imagine that, imagine that, giving power and ascribing power to a rock, a dead inanimate object. I love how Jesus said in Luke 1940 upon the triumphal entry to the Pharisees and they were trying to quieten the crowd as they're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. And they're just worshiping him as he's riding in on the donkey before the crucifixion. And um, Jesus says, If you stop them, if you stop the people from praising, even the rocks will break open and cry out. (laughs) Isn't that glorious? Even the rocks will cry out. How much greater is our God? Deuteronomy 32 verse 3 and 4 says to us, For I proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God. He is the rock. He is the rock. And I would rather worship Jesus Christ, the one and only rock of our salvation, than some created thing. So there's so many forms of deception to lure creation away from him. You see, this man who talked to me about the energy, he ended up telling me he'd been in church as a teenager. He'd been in the house of God he had the opportunity to hear the word of God. So we've got to be very careful that we do not integrate these kinds of thoughts, beliefs or practices in any shape or form into our lives. Romans 1.25 says that they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Now this is rampant in our world today. This is rampant. Idolatry in many forms. And it always has been. I mean, what happened after the Israelites passed through the Red Sea? And Moses goes up and away has been away too, too long up on the mountain, and they get him bored, and they make a calf, a golden calf out of all their golden jewelry that they've just bought out of Egypt. We want to worship something. We're created to worship. So I'll give you a very subtle example of how the enemy can work some of these kind of thoughts and, and um, you know, philosophies into our lives, um, even as believers. Because we ought to be able to recognise recognize an out and out direct lie, but we don't always recognise really subtle innuances that begin to erode truth. It's not instant, it becomes a process and it can be very subtle. So is there anyone here that's into the health benefits of herbs and oils at all? You love herbs and oils. No one's admitting to anything. Oh, okay, great. Our pastors are into herbs and oils. (laughs) And it's good. It's great. It's wonderful. They can be really beneficial to us. I mean, God created them. A little bit of lavender can help with our sleep if we need it, you know, on a pillowcase or something like that or a hanky. Um, Peppermint tea can settle our stomachs. You know, so, so this is not bad. But believe it or not, I have encountered born-again spiritual believers who believe that herbs and oils are the remedy for every human physical ailment and sickness and disease. They think that that's God's way to heal us is through herbs and oils. Now, Jesus did not die to give herbs and oils power and authority over sickness and disease. So can you see how easy it can be to be led down a path that seems good but it diminishes, it diminishes the power of the blood of Christ because there is no reference in the Bible where Jesus administered herbs and oils as part of his healing. So 2 Corinthians verse 4 and the second part of verse 2, uh, sorry, chapter 4, second part of verse 2, we refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. In verse 4, Paul continues to say, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So the enemy blinds the eyes of unbelievers. This is a spiritual force. He's doing that, but he manipulates the truth through deception to believers. And you've heard the, the saying, give him an inch and he'll take a mile. And that's why we as believers, we take every thought captive that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. So I'm not saying that herbs and oils have no value and no place. I'm not saying that at all. Please don't misunderstand me. But I am saying that they are not a substitute for the power and authority and the victory of the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? And that goes for anything at all that the enemy may use in the same manner so in the case of understanding spirituality when it comes to humanity outside of god there's really nowhere to put it there's nowhere to put it there's no context for it because if we are here as a result of a big bang and some micro you know cosmic explosion in the universe that suddenly just put everything together which, you know, there's a a part of truth in that, but God spoke it into being. But if that's the case, this whole evolution thing, well, where did that spirit realm come from? Did that just explode into being as well? See, Colossians 2 verse 3 says, In him, Christ, all the treasures of divine wisdom, comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God, and all the riches of spiritual knowledge and enlightenment are stored up and lie hidden in Christ. So outside of him, we cannot understand it. Academics and intellectuals try to address this question through the mind, the soul, the intellect and human reasoning and they torment themselves and they write books like the God delusion because they can't place this thing. They're not able to, they're incapable of doing so. And look, God created the human intellect in his image, his likeness and his representation. So he is not against great minds. In fact, he celebrates great minds. He loves it when we come up with a new scientific or medical discovery. He loves it that his creation is doing extraordinary things and putting people out into space And creating all sorts of things. I believe he sits in the heavens and he laughs and he cheers us on. He says, That's my kid. That's my kid. That's wonderful. He celebrates our intelligence. He's not against it. He's not in conflict with it. Pastor Patsy recently talked about the two eternal spiritual kingdoms, the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. And our citizenship, when we are born again as new creations in Christ, we know that it transfers us out of darkness and into light. We know that. So in Colossians 1.13 and 14, it says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So we belong to an entirely different spiritual realm. We're doing life here in the body, but while we're doing life here in the body, we are also living in the kingdom at the very same time. The kingdom isn't something that's afar off and one day it's going to turn up and we're going to be part of. The kingdom is here now. The kingdom of God is within us. Philippians 3.20, but we are citizens of the state which is in heaven And from it, we earnestly and patiently await the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And so we're waiting and we're yearning. We know that there's something more, but we're still living in that kingdom here and now and today. Amen? Amen. Amen. I'm glad you agree with me. (laughs) just want to make sure you're still out there. So this morning, my key text, and I want this to be your takeaway in the midst of everything I'm going to throw at you and all the stuff we're going to wade through, I want you to walk away with just this one verse resonating in your spirit. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 18. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. They're eternal. And you know, so much of life and what demands our attention is the here and now on a day-to-day basis, isn't it? And yet, we're to have this kingdom perspective and understand that we are living in the kingdom now. So we know that God's unseen with our natural physical eyes, but we also know that he's eternal. However, the evidence of his existence is all around us. The very fact that we're sitting in this room on chairs, he created everything. John 1, verses 1 to 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. No, was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made through Him, and without Him, nothing was made that was made. Nothing. Nothing was made. Nothing could possibly exist. If there's no God, if there is no God, there is nothing. Take God out of the picture everything will crumble and collapse and disintegrate. Colossians 1.17, and he is before all things and in him all things hold together. He's unseen, he's eternal, he always existed and he always will. Now this is really difficult and it can be really difficult for people to comprehend because from the moment of birth, we are taking in everything through our sensory experience. Isn't that right? If you've ever been around a little newborn baby, they've come from a whole other world in the womb where everything was warm and safe and all of a sudden they see bright lights, they feel the cold, they feel hungry. They never felt hungry in the womb. So from the moment we're born, we're taking everything in through our senses and we begin to formulate what we know, understand and believe about life and the world through these senses. In John 4, 24, Jesus said, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. John 1, 14, and the word became flesh and dwell among us. So remember the word always was, but it became flesh and dwelt among us in Christ and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. And so this is why Hebrews 11:6 6 says, now, without faith, it is impossible to please him. Impossible. Your intellect is not going to impress him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So notice it doesn't say without in, um, sufficient intellectual reasoning. It doesn't say that. Without sufficient intellectual reasoning. Without satisfactory sensory experience and evidence it doesn't say that either why why wouldn't it why wouldn't it even refer to that because faith is birthed in the spirit realm in the spirit realm not in the natural realm remember we talked about the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness so knowing about versus actually knowing someone are two entirely different matters entirely different matters and we've already seen how people can easily put their faith into the things that we see: rocks, herbs, oil, money, celebrities, all kinds of things. And yet struggle with this thing: faith. Romans 10:17. So when faith comes, no, so then faith comes. Faith comes by what? By hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Amen. The supernatural. Word of God. This is not like any ordinary book. This is not just another book. This is the eternal Word of God. And so that's why trying to debate with people to win arguments is absolutely futile. It's the entrance of His Word that brings light. So we're to always sow the Word in our conversations, our discussions with people, not our opinions because heaven and earth is going to pass away and what, will my opinions stand forever? Will they endure forever? No, they won't mean a thing. Heaven and earth will pass away but his word will endure forever. And you know, the thing is, we don't have to sound like some walking concordance. I used to get tied up in knots that I couldn't actually remember the chapter and verse. You know, I better not say that because I can't remember exactly where that came from. You know, tie myself up in knots about it we say the word it doesn't return void it always accomplishes the purpose for which He sent it so let's make sure that we are sharing and speaking the word as we share with people and talk with people but the key ingredient in all of that is love the key ingredient is love we're to be motivated by a deep and sincere, genuine, godly love for people and not a desire to be right and to win an argument. If that's our motivation, we've got to rethink even having the conversation, quite frankly. Rethink having the conversation. Just step right back, go, don't need to have this discussion right now. So who has heard of the TV show, I think it's a TV show, there's some competition called The X Factor do we have some X Factor fans here at all? Yeah, there's some X Factor fans. So it's a show where talent scouts are looking for that special someone with some great kind of talent that they can make lots of money off. Was I too blunt? Was that too blunt? Was that too direct? <laughs> I think essentially it pretty much boils down to that. Um, but look, we have something that is exponentially better than any kind of talent, we as born-again believers, we have something that I like to call the God Factor. The God Factor. And the God Factor was always intended to be a complete game changer for us. It transforms and revolutionizes the way in which we live. Because in Christ, old things are passed away and all things have become new. So have you noticed how... You know, people groups are clearly distinguishable, right? Okay, people are like, pa- um, Pastor Kevin just did that presentation on Papua New Guinea and the missions. The people there are clearly distinguishable. It's like if I said to you, Pastor Kevin is a true blood Scandinavian. Would you guys believe me? No. If I said to you, both my parents were Papua New Guinean, native Papua Guinean, would you believe me? No, of course not. We are clearly distinguishable due to our packaging. And I love that God has created us, you know, in, with diversity. We've got so much to learn and grow and to understand and to discover from one another. But in the same way that when we're born again in Christ, his identity, his character and his nature is intended to become distinguishable through our lives. 2 Peter 1 verse 3, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. So God has lovingly equipped us with everything that's necessary to live victoriously, both practically here in this life, in this realm, but also spiritually in the spirit realm, We've been equipped. What did he say? With everything necessary. But how do we get access to that through the knowledge of him? If we read on in that um, chapter, 2 Peter 1, verses 4 through to 8, I'm just going to pick up right at the very end. It talks about all these different qualities that we can build into our lives. Uh, And it says, If these qualities are yours and are increasing, They keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know it's possible to to be an ineffective and unfruitful Christian? It is completely possible. But we do not want to be these people. And that was never God's intention, that his people were ineffective and unfruitful. He said to us that we're to go, uh, be fruitful, and to multiply. Multiply what? Multiply him multiply his nature, multiply his perfect will, multiply his kingdom here on the earth. And so why is there so much lack? Why is there so much disappointment and hurt and um, disillusionment and brokenness? Why is there? Let me ask another question. If someone walked through these doors this morning completely unchurched and they came in here for the very first time, would they find a community of people that are different in countenance, character and credibility to the rest of the world. Let's bring it even closer if they came into our homes. Let's make this really personal if they came into our homes. The way that we speak, the things that we do, what we watch. Would they find people that are distinguishable as the father's children so I want to really quickly look at the toolkit of the God Factor. Most of the guys in here probably have a toolkit at home. Hand, do we have some handyman here? Handymen? Yep, you got a toolkit. You, you got what you got in there. What, you know what you need if you want to get something done. Well, we have a God Factor toolkit, and some of the things that we have, and I'm just going to go through these very quickly. First of all, of course, sonship. Sonship. Colossians 2.10, and you are in him made full and having come to fullness of life in Christ, you too are filled with the Godhead. Look at this, Father, Son and Holy Spirit and reach full spiritual stature. And he is the head of all rule and authority of every angelic principality and power. Woo! We're full of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So, as a result of our sonship, we have a new identity, we have a new position, and as a result of that new position, we have new authority. And you can look at Ephesians 2 6. We also have in our toolkit the Holy Spirit, the indwelling, the infilling, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit this is our superpower. Have you noticed how little kids from an early age start getting bombarded with cartoons about little characters and things that have superpowers? Again, it's that intrigue with something more, something beyond. There's this desire to connect into something bigger than ourselves. Well, you know what? We have the greatest superpower of all and it's the Holy Spirit. Acts one eight. Jesus' words to his disciples prior to his ascension, he said, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Say, I have power. power. Even in the old covenant, covenant, the Lord spoke these words to Zerubbabel and he said, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. So we don't do any of this life of faith of ours in our own strength. We weren't designed to, we weren't intended to. That's why the word tells us that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. We've also got in our toolkit, lo and behold, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. We have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness and self-control. Every single one of us when we're born again, all of that is there in seed form. If you need any more of any of that, it's there. You don't have to think, oh, I, I, need, you know, I need some patience. I'm real. Don't say I'm an impatient person. Don't make negative confessions about yourself. Tell yourself, I have the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You know, there's times where I get a little bit you know irritable with my darling, beloved, Jeff. Can you imagine that? Such a lovely man as Jeff. Yay! <laughs> I'm sure no one else here gets irritable with their beloveds. I'm sure you're all more holy than that. (laughs) But there are times I do. And, you know, I have to dig into this toolkit of provision. I have to zip my lip because I'm like, I want to say this so bad. I want to go, I just want to say it so bad and it wants to go out. And you have to exercise self-control. It's in the toolkit. Now, I don't always get it right, do I, darling? Sometimes, shame on me. (laughs) Sometimes I do blurt things out that I shouldn't. (laughs) Thank you, Lord, that if I confess my sins, you're faithful and just. (laughs) But look, at the end of Galatians 5, we just talked about the fruit of the Spirit, verse 25, it says, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So he's provided the supernatural, but we engage and we do our part by yielding and cooperating with what he's provided for us. Freedom. We've got freedom in our toolkit. John 8.36. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Freedom from what? Yes, the curse, the consequences and the penalty of sin and death. Yes. But in Galatians 5.1, actually, I'm just going to jump back a little bit. Freedom from all of that, but also to not live as a slave to sin. We no longer have to live as slaves to sin. Galatians 5.1, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. And so while we know that we are free from the bondage of sin, we know that, we know that. But you know what? We must never mistake God's patience for his approval. Never mistake God's patience with us for His approval. And this is a word for someone today. You've got something operating in your life, and the devil has lied to you about it. He's told you it's okay. It's okay. You're never going to get over this. This is just part of you. Yeah, I know you've tried. I know you've tried. It's okay. It's just yeah, you know, that's it's all right, it's under the blood. Well, yes, that's true. God has provided a perfect sacrifice, but there is a place where we make a decision that we are going to live as he intended and designed us to live. Amen. We also have the armor of God. In Ephesians 6, we put on the whole armor of God. Why? That we can stand against the schemes of the devil. And we know that the armor is the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, shoes, with the readiness of the preparation of the gospel of peace, a shield of faith, a helmet of salvation, a sword of the spirit. But look what verse 18 says. So that's all the, that's all the equipment he's provided for us. But verse 18 says, praying all times, at all times in the spirit. That's our part. We are not passive. And of course, we have healing as well. Healing is ours in and through Christ. We don't trudge around in life, and the, for everyone, say, how are you today? Oh, I'm so. Oh, I've got this, and I've got that. Life's so hard. Everybody else does that. Everybody else does that. So what do we do? We come into cooperation with what the Word says, and it says that by His stripes we have been healed. Just this week, I had a terrible. I, I did. I had a terrible stomach virus that just knocked me flat. And I've had a big week. We had Gather yesterday and preaching today and, you know, work, all the demands of life. And I was like, you know what? I have to put this into practice. So I got my cup of communion and I drove myself to work and I sat in the car and I didn't, I didn't know and I didn't entertain how I'm going to do this physically in the natural because I literally did not have the physical strength, did I, Jeff? I was like knocked right out. But I drove down there in faith. I sat there and I took my communion and I declared what that represents. And I said, I'm leaning into that supernatural realm because I'm a kingdom citizen. I'm a child of God. So this stuff has to go in Jesus' name. So praise God. Praise God. And so when the enemy comes knocking, and he does, came knocking at my door with his little box of tricks, strife, sickness, Lack, heartache, loss, depression, confusion, anxiety, fear, all the stuff that's going on, and he will. And he'll be telling us, the world's a mess, your life is a mess, or your relationship is a mess, your health is a mess, your future is a mess, there's no hope, your family's a mess. Just look at you, you are one big mess. (laughs) Isn't that what he says? Just look at you, you are one big mess. Eleanor Roosevelt, she was the wife of the president, Teddy Roosevelt in the US, and she was famous for this saying. She said, no one can make you feel inferior without your permission. How much more does this apply to us as blood-bought, blood-washed believers in Jesus Christ? Hallelujah. The devil has no right, he has no authority to be telling us lies and putting anything on us he's a defeated enemy. He's a defeated enemy. Christ's victory is our victory. Colossians 2.15, God disarmed the principalities and powers that were ranged against us and he made a bold display and a public example of them in triumphing over them in him, in him in Christ and in the cross. So therefore God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. Revelation 128, I am he who lives, said Jesus, and was dead, and behold, I'm alive forevermore. I have the keys of death and hate is. And he said before the cross, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. I will give you the keys of the kingdom. In Matthew 28:18 after the cross Jesus said all authority all power of rule in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And in Revelation 5:10 and you have made them us his church so you God have made them us his church his bride a kingdom a royal race and priests to our God and they shall reign as kings over the earth. We reign as kings. We are not losers. The devil goes around going, loser, 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 loser. <laughs> you know, I was driving in my car and I was full of the Holy Spirit. I'd been preparing for this word and this car, and I'm worshipping and praising God, just minding my own business. And this car comes and, you know, slides, like did something really dangerous, goes onto the other side of the road and on a, on a two way thing, slides right in front of me, slams his brakes on, and he's shaking his hand at me and doing all the finger things, which, you know, you're not allowed to do. Um, yeah. And I'm going, what just happened? I was in the kingdom realm and I can tell you I know it was antagonising the enemy to the point that he's going to interrupt someone that's full of him to come and interfere with the presence of God just on the road. So do our lives reflect the mantle and the majesty that has been entrusted to us? Let's be honest, we've got room to grow. Because, you know, even in that moment, do you know what I did? You know how that wants to really, like, get something in your flesh and you want to just, rah, right back at them? Because I'd been in the presence of God and I'd been worshipping, I started to just blow kisses. I actually had this overwhelming <laughs> sense of love. I actually had this overwhelming sense of love and I'm just going, Bless you. Father, just touch that angry person. Just touch that angry person, Lord, with your presence. Whatever's filling them with this anger. Father, you minister into that. And I'm telling you, I was not being sarcastic. I was being genuine. It only occurred to me later that that might have been offensive when I was telling my kids about it. You know, my kids are adults, and they're going, Mom, you can't do that. They might have pulled over and, like, punched you or... It didn't even occur to me that that could be offensive. I just want to love them, you know, just love. (laughs) So we need to get into the kingdom dressing room. We have the mind of Christ and we set our minds on things above, the unseen eternal things. We put on the whole armour of God. We put on the garment of praise. We put them on. That's why the word says, put it on. But how do we do that? It's not enough to just passively agree and go, yes, yes, I like what you're saying, yes, yes, I agree with you, and just nod. I mean, that's wonderful and it's great that we're in agreement. But we have to say what he says. We have to say what he says. We stand the truth on the truth of his word and we activate it by declaring it through our mouths. So let's be intentional. Let's be intentional, people, with the God factor and equip ourselves daily with his eternal truth. Remember the skit that I started with? It's alive. It's daily bread. It's daily bread. And we don't want to live in the God factor just so that we can have a great life. We actually want to make a difference We want to impact the world around us. Do you know, I went after that guy in the realm of the spirit and I declare that he's saved the one that cut me off and carried on, and I believe that that person is going to have a God encounter because he needs it. Hallelujah. So, yeah, worship team, thank you if you can come up. Our world needs to see him. Our world needs the treasure. That is in these jars of clay. Thank you, Marisa. If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at brahma.org.au.